Hello again, everyone. I'm Brian DiNovellis. Welcome to a March Madness edition of the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast. Jersey style. We're going to throw in a little Taylor ham on that egg sandwich and spice it up a little bit. We have five teams to talk about from the Tri-State, three from New Jersey, two from Connecticut, Rutgers, Seton Hall, and St. Peter's from the Garden State, UConn, and Yale from the Nutmeg State. So let's begin in New Jersey. That's where history was made. First time since 2004 that three teams from the Garden State have made the big dance, Rutgers, Seton Hall, and St. Peter's. Back in 04, it was Seton Hall, Monmouth, and Princeton. So let's begin with the first game. The first four, Rutgers taking on Notre Dame Wednesday in Dayton, a couple of 11 seeds. Now look, much has been made of Rutgers' net ranking of 77. They're the lowest ranked net team to ever make the tournament as an at-large since they started using this mysterious net as a metric. We know they have bad losses to Lafayette and UMass and DePaul. We know that. But we also know that this team went on a run in February that was historic, knocking off four straight top 25 teams as an unranked team themselves. First time that's ever been done in the history of NCAA Division I basketball. They're here for a reason. They both have some good wins. Uh, they both have struggled with some head-scratching losses. Notre Dame doesn't have as many good wins as Rutgers, though. We know that. Their best wins were against Kentucky, North Carolina, and Miami. So what more do we know about Notre Dame? They have a dynamite player. Their best player is a player who many believe will be a first-round pick. Some say a lottery pick. Freshman Blake Wesley, he makes it all happen. You know Caleb McConnell is going to draw that defensive assignment the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year, one of the best defensive players in the country. He will be assigned to the freshman. That will be fascinating to watch. But Rutgers also plays tremendous team defense, so it's not just going to be Caleb. At times, it may be Geo Baker, Ron Harper Jr. Maybe Cliff Amore ends up on him on a switch. We shall see, but that is going to be fascinating to watch. What else do we know? This is a team that hasn't been to the NCAA tournament in five years. Sure, but you know they're going to shoot the ball well. You know they're going to defend well. You know they're going to be tough. They're one of the best three-point shooting teams in the country. Notre Dame is the best three-point shooting team in the ACC. They make over nine threes a game. They shoot it at 38%, and they have some bigs. So Cliff Amore and company, get ready. Nate Lashevsky. Six foot 10. He had 20 and eight against North Carolina, 18 and 11, had a double double against NC State. They have another big guy, Paul Atkinson, 6'8, 230. But Rutgers has seen all the big guys this year. They've seen Kofi Coburn, Zach Edney, Travion Williams, EJ Liddell. There is nothing that Rutgers will see in Notre Dame that they haven't seen all year. Rutgers has intangibles. I don't like them in this game. I love them. Now, do I love them big? No, but I just have the confidence that Rutgers has a lot of the edges. I think Rutgers has the edge in the front court. Rutgers has the edge in defense. Rutgers has the edge in the rebounding category. 
they have the edge in experience. This team was a couple of possessions away, one possession away from going to the Sweet 16 last year, and who knows how far they could have gone. So they made a run last year in the NCAA tournament, beating Clemson in the first round, challenging Houston and almost beating them in the second round. They've been through all the wars this year. It feels like Rutgers has played in a pressure cooker since February 1st for about six weeks. They're battle-tested. Nothing rattles Rutgers. Even if they're down in this game, they're never out of it. I expect Paul Mulcahy to play big. I expect them to run this offense. I expect them to chip in a little bit. Can Notre Dame win? Sure. Notre Dame wins if they hit threes and free throws. That's their strength. But if Rutgers defends the three rebounds, I like them in this game. Rutgers wins a close one, 68-64. All right, Seton Hall, classic 8-9 game. Third time in four trips that Seton Hall is in this 8-9 game. My gosh. I mean, Seton Hall fans, you knew it was going to be an 8-9 matchup. You knew Seton Hall was not going to get on that 7-10 line. The NCAA wasn't going to do them any favors. What does this team have to do to get off that 8-9 line? They've been there before. 2017, lost to Arkansas in the last two minutes, minute and a half. 2018, they beat NC State before giving Kansas one of the best games of the tournament. This team is hungry. Players like Miles Kale and Jared Roden haven't been to the NCAA tournament in three years. They would have been there two years ago had it not been for COVID. They likely would have been a three seed. Woulda, coulda, shoulda. So it's their first game in the NCAA tournament since losing to Wofford in 2019. These players are hungry. These players want to put another banner in there. These players want to be a team that Seton Hall fans can say, hey, they made it past the first round. We remember that team. Today at practice, the players spoke before they went off to San Diego. I had a chance to go one-on-one -on -one with Jared Roden. He was open, he was candid, he is hungry. And like these other players, he wants this W one game at a time in the worst way. Joining me now on the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast is Jared Roden. Jared, how has this team reacted the last couple of days to knowing you're going to play TCU? And how's your preparation going? Um, I think there's a real a lot of excitement going on. Um, I think everyone's kind of laser focused, locked in. Um, and I'm looking forward to, you know, the next couple of practices, couple of days, because I think we're getting a, finally a full week off of just preparing for a team. And, you know, I'm really looking forward to it. What kind of a team do you see in TCU when you see them on film and you see the scouting report? Um, I know they're a hard-nosed team, um, a very well-rebounded team. Um, I know that they're well-coached. Um, they have some really good guards. Um, so I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a great matchup. They're one of the better rebounding teams in the country, the best in the Big 12. They average 13 offensive rebounds a game. I'm sure you know the stats. So what do you have to do to stop that? Um, I think just we just have to be determined on the on the boards, man. Uh, everyone has to be a collective effort. Uh, it can't just be the bigs. Has to be some guards rebounding as well. Um, I think we just have to have a great night rebounding the ball. You've been through the NCAA tournament before, but it seems like a long time ago. 
after what happened last year, not making it the year before COVID. So it's been three years, your freshman year. What do you take out of that experience, if anything, in that game against Wofford that you learned from and uh, might be able to use to your advantage? Um, I just know that the excitement of the place, you know, I think that you can use the, the energy of the building. You know, March Madness is, is, is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, and I think that that energy in that, in that place when you play is just unlike no other. So I think to just, you know, stay down, stay grounded throughout the whole game is important. What does it mean for you to get back here in your senior year? Oh, man, it's amazing. It's like a dream come true. Um, you know, having the derails because of COVID the past couple years has really hurt me. And um, I'm really excited because I finally get to live out my dream. Has the rest helped this team? The rest? Oh, yeah, the rest definitely has helped. Um, I think everyone got a chance to, you know, reset, you know, rekindle themselves a little bit and um, come back to form. So I'm excited. Sorry, I have the mask on. Did you think I said refs and not rest? <laughs> the refs don't really help Seton all too much. Not much. <laughs> so what do you see the keys to you and this team in this game? Um, I think we just have to be the more intense team. I think we have to be the more willing team to just do all the dirty work. Um, I think that's what this game comes down to is uh, all the little things, you know, boxing out. Uh, you know, we're going to make shots. We're going to play defense. I think it's going to be probably not a high-scoring game, but I think we just have to match their intensity on the boards especially. Where's the mindset going into this week? Uh, win or go home. You know, this could potentially be some of the last games that we ever play together as a team, as a unit. So just coming in with that mindset to just be hungry and, um, you know, just never let up the whole game. Do you look up at some of the banners sometime and say, hey, you know, I want to hang our banner up there and, and come, be able to come back here and see something that we're proud of? Absolutely, man. Uh, I think legacy is important. Um, and I'm, I'm really excited for it because I think we're going to have a chance to make a good run. And, um, you know, I think uh, having one of those banners up there is, is more important than anything else. Jared, thank you so much. Have a great time out there and good luck. Thank you. You heard Rodin. They see the banners, they know the history. He wants to cement his legacy as one of the all-time Seton Hall greats in the modern Big East era. How do you do it? You have to win. And how about a player like Miles Kale, a fifth-year senior? He's been through this before. He's like a grandpa, one of those Colin Gillespie, Nate Watson guys who's been around here. So he knows what it means to win a couple of games here in the NCAA tournament as well. Uh, it's really important, you know, because that's what it's all about. You know, getting there is one thing and um, winning is the next. So, uh, you know, we're just going to go out there and, and play our hardest, play our brain of basketball and try to collect those wins up. And um, I believe each one of these guys out here <clears throat> and, um, you know, we, we all trust each other with the ball and all, all of our abilities. So I think we'll be all right. When you go up against a team that you know rebounds the ball so well, what do you work on in practice and know that you have to bring into that game? Um, the good thing about that, we play, we play against a, a lot of good rebounding teams throughout our season, uh, like Villanova, UConn. So um, I think those type of, t those type of teams um, really helped us out during the way. And, uh, you know, just in practice, you just got to, you know, put more emphasis on rebounding. You know, we do a lot of rebounding drills already and just box out drills. So uh, I think that helps us out a lot. And um, I think we'll be ready for that challenge when it comes. Uh, you played 150 games, seems like a thousand games on this level. Yeah. What is it like for you to go out on this kind of stage? 
Oh yeah, that's that's the reason why I came back this year. You know, I just felt like last year I didn't end it off the way, you know, I started it. So I just wanted to end it off the way I started, and that's in the NCAA tournament. If Seton Hall is going to win against TCU, expect Miles Kale and Jared Roden to carry the torch. This team will go as far as those two seniors take them in this tournament. Sure, they're going to need a lot of help, but they will go as far as Kale and Roden take them. Those are the two that will lead the way. A lot like Seton Hall, TCU has had some big wins this year. Man, they have a lot of them. They beat Kansas. They beat Texas Tech. Two top 10 wins, just like Seton Hall does. They've beaten LSU. They've beaten Texas. Like Seton Hall, they've also beaten Georgetown. Like Seton Hall, they're an excellent rebounding team. They're the best rebounding team in the Big 12. You heard me say it to Jared Roden. They're the top offensive rebounding team in the Big 12. At 13 a game, rebounding will be key. Now, here is where Seton Hall can take advantage. We know they have to rebound. TCU is a poor shooting team. They only make 30% of their threes. We know Seton Hall defends the three very well, best in the Big East. They're a poor free throw shooting team as well. So Seton Hall has the edge there. TCU only averages 67% from the free throw line. Seton Hall is very good at 76%. So if this game comes down to free throws, I like Seton Hall's chances. Seton Hall has much more experience. They're a, a heavy senior-dominated team. TCU only has one senior in Chuck O'Bannon. They have a great backcourt. Mike Miles, not a great shooter, but he can score it. And they're a deep team. Jamie Dixon will play 9 or 10 deep. They will defend. They will grind it out. I like Seton Hall in a close game here. I know they're playing out West. They went out and flew out to California right after practice on Tuesday to get acclimated to the West Coast time. So Seton Hall will be there for two full days. Really, you're talking 72 hours to get acclimated to that West Coast time. Seton Hall will be ready. Sure, they're going to need help. Kaderi Richmond's thumb, by all accounts, Kevin Willard says it's very good. He wouldn't put a percentage on it, but he said the days off have certainly helped that thumb heal. You know Jameer Harris is going to be an X factor. Seton Hall must get something out of their bigs. You cannot have Tyree Samuel and Trey Jackson combining for no points like they did against UConn. They're going to have to get some production from Samuel, Jackson, and Alexis Yetna, two of those three players. That has always been a key ingredient for Seton Hall this year. Of course, you know Ike is going to give you something defensively. If he can give you two or four points, that's a plus. Defend, get something from your bigs, rebound, I like Seton Hall by single digits. It's going to be close. It wouldn't surprise me if it's a one possession game. I'm going to go Seton Hall 72, 
TCU 68. On to UConn. UConn's the five seed. They are the national darlings. Everyone is talking about UConn. UConn is back. They're playing New Mexico State in Buffalo. You know a lot of UConn fans will be there. What do we know about New Mexico State? They're the champions out of the whack. Their best win this year is over Davidson. They're a lot like UConn. They're tall. They're physical. No starters under six foot four. So they will be able to match UConn's length. Both teams defend really well. They have a player in Teddy Allen, who is flat out one of the most exciting players in the country. But here's the weird thing about Allen. This is his fifth school in five years. He started out at West Virginia. He was a key reserve for Bob Huggins as a freshman. For some reason, he played a lot of minutes. He played in the NCAA tournament, averaged 11 points a game in the tournament. I don't know why he transferred, but he left there after one year. Then he goes to Wichita State, sat out for one year, but never played. Then he shows up at Western Nebraska Community College, one of the best Juco players in the country. Then goes to Nebraska, led the team in scoring, and now he's at New Mexico State, the WAC player of the year, averaging more than 19 and a half points a game. This kid scored in double figures in 31 of 32 games this year. He can flat out score. So hello, Tyrese Martin. Hello, Isaiah Whaley. Hello, Andre Jackson. They're all going to be taking their turns guarding the six foot six Teddy Allen. Their next best player, Serge Jabari Rice, another volume guy, averages 12 points a game. Now, I told you they're big, but they haven't gone up against a player as talented and strong as Adama Sonogo. Let's see how well they can defend UConn's best player. UConn's experienced. They're hungry. They're still mad that they lost to Maryland last year. They've learned from it. They're focused. They have won seven of their last nine games. Their only losses in that time were two points at Creighton and three points against Villanova in the Big East semifinals, both losses by one possession. R.J. Cole is the straw that stirs the drink. They have another player in Tyrese Martin who's playing his best basketball of the season. He is angry that he didn't make any all Big East teams this year. He took it out on the competition in the Big East tournament and made the Big East all-tournament team the only Husky to make the team. He had 17-8 and eight against Seton Hall, followed that up with 19-7 and seven against Nova. R.J. Cole, Adama Sonogo, and Tyrese Martin are a three-headed monster for UConn right now. The only question that UConn has right now is the health of Jordan Hawkins. Is he healthy? and well enough to play coming out of concussion protocol. I love UConn in this game. They're the best rebounding team. Their defense is off the charts. I said this before, 
their performance against Seton Hall in the quarterfinals of the Big East tournament was the best defensive performance I have seen all year against Seton Hall. What they did against Jared Roden was masterful, holding Seton Hall's best player to two of 13 shooting and seven points. They held Seton Hall to 36% field goal shooting in that game. They are motivated. I like them to win this game. Let's say UConn gets to 70 points, 72-64. Then I like them to go on and beat Vermont, who will upset Arkansas in the 13-4 game. I will get to that in a bit. I like them to face Gonzaga in the Sweet 16. And if they do that, we'll talk more about that next week on the podcast. So I like UConn to go to the Sweet 16 for the first time since they won it all as a seven seed back in 2014. And how about the other two teams in the tri-state? St. Peter's, the 15 seed versus Kentucky. David versus Goliath, baby. St. Peter's, you have to love what Shaheen Holloway has done with his team in just his fourth year in the MAC. He is the coach of the year in that conference. Guiding this team to the NCAA tournament is one of the greatest jobs of any coach in the country this year. I know it's not going to get a lot of national attention, but what he has done at St. Peter's with the facilities they have there, it is one of the toughest places to win in the country. He has done a masterful job. They take on his personality. They defend. We love Casey and Defoe. Daryl Banks, Doug Edert, those guys are gamers. This team is as blue collar as it gets. But they are going up against the bluest of blue bloods in Kentucky. And as much as I'll be rooting for St. Peter's, I have to go with Kentucky. Too much Oscar Shibway. He is the nation's leading rebounder at more than 15 rebounds per game. This guy is a beast. He also averages 17 points. Casey and Defoe has gone up against Nate Watson of Providence, but he has not seen Oscar Shibway. I think Kentucky wins this comfortably. I think they win by double digits. It'll be a low-scoring game because St. Peter's will dictate it that way. Uh, if St. Peter's ever pulls this off, it would be one of the greatest upsets in NCAA tournament history. I just don't see it happening. And the last team from the Tri-State to make the NCAA tournament, last but not least, Yale. They are the 14th seed. They're taking on Purdue. Yale has been here before. Seton Hall fans saw them early in the season. They were no match for Seton Hall at the Prudential Center. That was way back in November. This team is battle-tested. They beat Baylor in 2016 in the NCAA tournament. They gave LSU a game in 2019 before losing by five. They knocked off Princeton in the Ivy League championship game. They are well-coached. Azir Swain can fill it up. He averages 19 a game. But I just love Purdue. They are one of my favorite teams in the Big Ten this year. Jaden Ivey is a lottery pick. Too much Jaden Ivey, too much Sasha Stefanovic, 
Too much Travion Williams and Zach Eady. Purdue moves on, but Yale is going to give them a fight. That's what Yale does. Bula Bula, right? All right. Finally, what double-digit seeds have the best chance of pulling off an upset or two, in my opinion? There's always a 12 seed that advances in the first round. My favorite 12 seed, I'm going with UAB, University of Alabama, Birmingham, over Houston in a 12-5. Seton Hall fans, you know the name, Jordan Jelly Walker. Spent one year on campus, transferred out, went to Tulane, left there, and oh man, has he found a home at UAB. Jordan Walker was the Conference USA Player of the Year, the tournament most outstanding player. He averages 19 points, five assists a game. He had 27 in the title game in the win over Louisiana Tech. This guy's exciting. He is confident. You better watch this game. He has the potential to light it up and put on a show and send UAB into the second round. I love them as a 12 seed. There are a lot of 13 seeds to like. I already said I like 13 Vermont over four Arkansas. The Catamounts are a senior-dominated team. They are 22-1 and since losing to Providence in December. Another 13, Chattanooga. Everyone's talking about Chattanooga and South Dakota State. Look, you can't put every 13 into the next round. Can three 13 seeds go into the next round? I don't think that's ever happened. The Moccasins have some sting. They have size to battle Kofi Coburn. They have a star in 6'4", Malachi Smith. He is one of the best point guards in the country. Averages 20 points and six rebounds. This Chattanooga team will not be at all intimidated by Illinois' size. Imagine if Chattanooga and UAB move on to the second round in Pittsburgh. A 13 versus a 12 with a chance to get to the Sweet 16. The other one, South Dakota State. I know so many bracketologists across the country love the Jackrabbits. They lead the country in three-point shooting. They're averaging 44% as a team beyond the arc. But I got to go with my guys at Providence. I know they've won a lot of close games this year. I know Ed Cooley is playing that luck of the Friars card all season long, but they're out to prove something. This team is out to prove that their regular season wasn't lucky. I think Providence is going to pull out a close one. The other double-digit seed that I really like, and we're talking double-digit upsets in the first round, Loyola of Chicago. What is not to like about this? I know they're playing a seven seed in Ohio State, but the Buckeyes, man, they're not playing well. They've lost four of five. The Ramblers went to the Sweet 16 last year. They returned six of their seven key players from that team. They have played with the big boys all year long. They lost to Michigan State by two. They played Auburn tough before losing. They've beaten Arizona State. They've beaten DePaul, 
they've won at Vanderbilt. I really like Loyola of Chicago in this game. So those are my double-digit seeds who are likely to pull off an upset in the first round. 13 Vermont, 13 Chattanooga, the 12 seed UAB, and the 10 seed Loyola of Chicago. There will be upsets. That is a guarantee. Are your picks better than mine? Are my picks better than yours? We'll find out. I know this. Thursday and Friday are my favorite two sports days of the year, bar none. That TV is going to be on all day long. Enjoy the games, everyone. I hope your brackets aren't busted after day one. I'm Brian DeNovellis. Thanks for listening to the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast. So long.